All right, hello, welcome back to Unqualified Analysis, the show that is, you know what, we're here. It's a Thanksgiving week and we are here. We have got the evening coffee in hand, as is tradition. Got to get that uh, that energy up after a hectic pre-Thanksgiving uh, work session there. We're done with that, though. Don't have to think about that for another, uh, you know, 24-ish hours, 20 I don't, math, math is hard, man. I'm not in school anymore. I think we'll probably call it good 12, plus 12. So, you know, 36 hours or so. That's fine. That's that's far in the future that I got to worry about that for now. Uh, until then, I mean, it is it is the time of thanks here, folks. And uh, to celebrate that, I mean, we're going to talk about some NFL football. I mean, it is Thursday. You know what it is. Uh, week 11 in the books. We had a ton of stuff happen. I mean, a ton of stuff from injuries to uh, big time games to, uh, you know, heads firmly on the chopping block, just waiting for the order from the axe man to have it come down and end the sorry, miserable existence that is their coaching. Quite a vivid metaphor there, but you understand where I'm going there. But uh, yeah, that's that is all to say. We got some stuff to talk about. So let's uh, let's take a quick sip of coffee. As per usual, when I say sip, I mean gulp. And you know what? I spent so much time procrastinating on starting off this recording that there's basically only one gulp left. So might as well take one more gulp. Finish that off. And we're off and running. Uh, First and foremost, um, not always that Thursday night has the biggest news of the week. uh, So don't always start there. But, you know, conveniently enough, here we are. And of course... Uh, on Thursday night was supposed to be uh, one of those games that put some life back in the in the veins of Al Michaels uh, in you know to, to throw people off the scent that Amazon is trying to kill Al Michaels with these terrible games uh, trying to at the very least snuff out his love for football uh, but uh, I mean Ravens Bengals or Bengals Ravens rather you know home team goes second don't don't forget that kids uh, supposed to be a great game, ended up being an absolute snooze fest, and we had injuries galore in this one, the most notable of which being uh, Joe Burrow, I believe in the second quarter of this game, oh, excuse me, not entirely sure what actually happened, but he throws a pass, uh, comes to the sideline, and is clearly hurt. Uh, tries to grip the football and, and throw again, uh, just cannot do it. Uh, we find out later after the game that he tore a ligament in his wrist. He will be out for the remainder of the season, uh, not coming back. So it'll be Jake Browning from here on out and uh, did not go well for him in this game. Uh, Ravens just beat the hell out of him, 34-20. to 20. Ravens didn't come out of this clean either. I mean, Logan Wilson was an assassin of the opposing players, kind of nicked up Lamar Jackson. Um, There was another player he ended up hitting, I think might have given someone a concussion. Most notable of which, though, down in the red zone, did the old hip drop tackle, which those goddamn over-litigious assholes are deciding that they're going to try and get rid of that this offseason. Yeah, why not give them flags? Just give them flags. Make it flag football. It's what you greedy sons of bitches want to do anyways for the the name of quote-unquote player safety, but that's a different discussion for a different day. Either way, the point of this is Logan Wilson comes down with that quote-unquote hip drop. Disgusting terminology, but we keep it moving. Uh, Comes down with that hip drop uh, on 
Mark Andrews' uh, left ankle, I think it was. Not doesn't necessarily matter. The point is, uh, the foot bent out when you really want it to bend in, and the best case scenario for that is a high ankle sprain. Unfortunately, we got the worst case scenario. He broke his ankle. He will also be out for the remainder of the season. A couple devastating losses for both teams in this game. Obviously, Joe Burrow, the bigger of the two losses, and uh, pretty much just tanked the Bengals' season right there. I mean, maybe... Maybe they pull it together and make a playoff run. They're 5-5 five and five right now, though. It's not exactly like they're uh, far ahead of the pack, and they are in a cutthroat division. At this point, you would assume that the Bengals finish last in the AFC North and uh, probably don't even sniff a playoff spot. If Jake Browning is your starting quarterback, not exactly a recipe for success, especially when uh, the offensive line has been average at best this year. The defense has got some clear holes in it, even with Lou Anarumo scheming the hell out of that thing. Uh, they gave up 34 to the Ravens in this game. Uh, they've been porous throughout the last several weeks, really. Uh, they got a couple good pieces there, but the secondary, losing both of those safeties in free agency last year. I mean, they are bereft of talent on the back end right now. Uh, they got a, got a couple good players in there, but it's it's not going to be enough for, to carry them for the rest of the season. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's probably it for the Bengals. On the Ravens side, though, now Mark Andrews, not exactly going to... Um, keep them from making the playoffs, may not even keep them from possibly getting the one C. I mean, Kansas City ended up losing this week as well. So, I mean, we can't just discount that. We'll get to that really towards the end of the episode here. Uh, best game of the week, by the way, for a variety of, of reasons, both, I mean, good football and bad football alike. Again, put that to the side. We'll get to it here in a second. But when the Ravens get to the playoffs, which I have no doubt that they will end up doing, not having Mark Andrews in there, not having a legitimate guy that can move the sticks uh, like he has done so well throughout the course of his career. I get it. The Ravens wide receivers are better than they've been in years right now. I mean, Zay Flowers is a revelation out there with his explosive ability. Rashad Bateman has shown flashes, though. Uh, I think he, well, nah, nah, I'm thinking of something. I got so many notifications on my Twitter right now. I just, I, I get them all mixed up. So Rashad Bateman, always a possibility to get injured, but not quite so injured at this point that he won't be able to play in, in the upcoming games. You got Odell Beckham, yada, yada, yada. The, the bottom line is they need Isaiah Likely to step up if they are, are going to continue being a championship contender, really. I think not having Mark Andrews in there is going to hurt their offense. Maybe not quite so much in the regular season. Like, I still think you're going to get some explosive performances. Like I said, those wide receivers they have, plus Lamar Jackson and what Lamar Jackson does for your run game, um, the, the great interior offensive line that they have. They're going to win some games down the stretch here. Make no mistake about it. They're still probably an 11, uh, probably pushing 12-win team when it's all said and done, if not even a, a little bit better than that. Um, they're, they're a fantastic football team. The problem is when you get into the postseason, you start facing really high-quality defenses uh, that can shut down some of those receivers, get you into kind of third and manageables, maybe even like third and longs, Having a guy like Mark Andrews there that can get you 10 yards when you need it is it's hard to hard to kind of put into words what the value of that guy is on the team. So bottom line, Isaiah Likely has not shown that just yet. He was a highly talented guy coming out of college out of Coastal Carolina. He's a really good athlete. Hasn't quite had the opportunities receiving wise because of how good Mark Andrews is and all that he does for the team. 
but they're going to need him to be a legitimate receiving threat, a legitimate move the sticks type of guy going forward if they are going to be, you know, pushing deep into the playoffs like you want them to if you are a Ravens fan right now. Uh, that's a that's a big old wait and see right there. Obviously, like I said, that this does not quite just crater the season uh, like the Joe Burrow injury does for the Cincinnati Bengals. But not having Mark uh, Mark Andrews in there is you, you can't kind of discount how valuable he is to that offense because he has been, I mean, really for years now, kind of the the straw that stirs the drink outside of Lamar Jackson. Obviously, everything they do on offense is predicated about uh, around the. The, the special attributes that Lamar Jackson brings to the table, but having a guy like Lamar Jack, not Lamar Jackson, uh, Mark Andrews in there is, it, it is worth its weight in gold, quite frankly. So I'm going to be interested to see how uh, Todd Monk and Lamar Jackson work around that, how Isaiah likely steps up in, in uh, Mark Andrews' absence, what he does in the receiving game. It's going to be all very crucial. Also, how he does block it in the run game. Like, obviously, Lamar Jackson raises your floor and your ceiling, for that matter, in that category. But you need him to at least kind of uh, approximate what you get from Mark Andrews in the, in the blocking game as well. Obviously, Isaiah Likely is going to be a much more of a receiver than a blocker, but he's got to be serviceable blocking as well as the receiving part. Uh, questions ahead for the Ravens for sure. Really tough, tough night of injuries in this game. You'll get that sometimes in these AFC North matchups. A brutal, brutal loss for the Bengals, though. I mean, I can't overstate how brutal that is. I mean, I don't think they were going to make a true playoff run this year, um, but not having Joe Burrow in there, I mean, it all but seals their fate. Uh, you're really just playing for uh, pride and draft position uh, when it's all said and done. I don't think you're playing for a playoff spot anymore, especially in an AFC that is just absolutely cutthroat at the top of the conference. Uh, we move on from there, though. Steelers, Browns, all I got to say is hope you bet that. If you're bet on the Steelers, hope you bet that plus four uh, early in the week when we didn't know the future of Deshaun Watson because the Browns ended up pulling this one out, 13-10 to 10 at home. DTR was, I mean, let, let's call it what it is, not good. He, he wasn't very good at all, uh, but did play well enough. Uh, behind a defense that has an absolute freak beast in Miles Garrett um, and plenty of players to boot outside of Miles Garrett. I mean, it's it's one of the best, if not the best, defense in the entire league right now. And when you have that and you have an effective running game like the Cleveland Browns do, and you got an offensive line that is very strong in the interior like you, they do, all you got to be is average. Do not shoot the team in the foot, and you're probably going to win a, a fair amount of games. Now, you would prefer that they score more than 13 points. You would obviously prefer that, you know, you score more in the 20s, maybe even pushing 30 if you are lucky. Uh, but when you are playing a team like the Steelers, uh, who will, I mean, they'll defend their ass off now. I'll tell you what, I mean, 13 points against the Steelers, that's kind of par for the course. They seem to hold teams down like that fairly frequently. Not so much in the uh, the yardage categories, not so great in that as they usually are in Pittsburgh. But on the, on the scoreboard, they're still a really solid defense. They've still got uh, the TJ Watts, Cam Haywards, um, Joey Porter Jr. stepping up really nicely in his rookie year. Minka Fitzpatrick on the back. I mean, they got they got players all over the place. Um, so that it, it is to be expected that a rookie quarterback going up against that defense will score 13 points. Um, on the other side, though, uh, Matt Canada scoring 10 points. 
Also kind of expected as well against this uh, this Cleveland Browns defense. Also very expected for Matt Canada in general, which brings me to the crux of uh, the news here around this game. Uh, after this game was over, I believe it was either on uh, Monday or Tuesday. I can't remember exactly which day it was. I think it was Tuesday because I remember a great rejoicing yesterday uh, as I'm recording this from the Steelers fan base. Um, Matt Canada is out as the offensive coordinator. You've been they, the fans have been calling for it all damn year at this point, and it finally. Uh, happened. It happened in the middle of the season, which I certainly did not expect. I thought there was definitely no way you could continue with Matt Canada after the season. But to do it mid-season like this was a little bit of a surprise to me. But hey, credit to Mike Tomlin. Uh, he saw the writing on the wall, knew that this was not a tenable position to be in, knew that if you wanted to continue making a playoff push in a cutthroat division like the AFC North, you have got to make a change and shake things up. Uh, otherwise, it just simply wasn't going to happen. So Mike Tomlin... Uh, makes the call. I mean, depending on who you believe and what reports are out there, it was either Mike Tomlin's decision alone, like he said, or, you know, there was some input from a, a bit over his head, whether that be the owner or the GM or someone like that. Um, either way, moral of the story, Matt Canada is out. I forget who their play caller is going to be now, but they have one of the, they're going to have one of those situations where they got an offensive coordinator doing the game planning and installed during the week. And then they got a play caller on Sundays. So really at this point, you just hope that uh, they've got someone who can, you know, kind of right the wrongs that Matt Canada had in there. Maybe. I think this really kind of spells that um, I think Jalen Warren probably will end up being the lead back. I mean, my God, he had nine carries for 129 yards in this game. Uh, he's a more explosive back. He's just a better all-around back than what Najee Harris is. Najee Harris can provide a role for you, but just give Jalen Warren the backfield at this point. He should be the lead back. Everyone with a working pair of eyes uh, can see that Jalen Warren should be the lead back in Pittsburgh. I think they probably go forward with him. They probably just do it quietly. Uh, like Maybe it's it's closer to 50-50 touches here initially, and then they'll just probably slowly keep ramping up Jalen Warren as it goes along. But you simply have to have uh, him more involved in the game plan. Uh Obviously, over the middle of the field, they're probably going to be doing a lot more of that. Um, outside of that, though, I mean, I'm interested to see what changes actually do uh, precipitate from this uh, this move by the Steelers. I am kind of of the belief that doing something like this midseason doesn't really make that much of a difference in the grand scheme of things. I think he probably changed uh, specific things that Mike Tomlin is looking for uh, as far as like things that... Uh, Matt Canada wasn't very great at doing like basically the things I just said, you know, installing Jalen Warren as, as the lead back, uh, work in the middle of the field more, maybe getting away from the terrible screen game or improving the screen game. But for the most part, I mean, it's the same offensive staff uh, around that was around Matt Canada. It's the, the same guys that were already in the building. The offense isn't changing. The plays aren't changing. Maybe just the style of play calling is changing. Uh, but I, I fail to see... Um, I, I just don't see this this uh, offense improving markedly uh, from what it was before. And I mean, granted, over with the Buffalo Bills, uh, Joe Brady just, you know, spat in my face with that notion. Uh, they absolutely destroyed the, the Jets. We'll get to that here in, in just a bit because there was some news that came out of that as well. Um, but honestly, 
I think you look at this situation. I don't think Mike Tomlin is selfish enough to think this way himself. But I maintained, I mean, really from the start of the season, I haven't really reiterated it, reiterated it much, but it's worth reiterating now. It was either going, it's not really an either-or situation. Like, if Mike Tomlin stuck with Matt Canada and he just stayed loyal to a fault to Matt Canada, Matt Canada would have gotten Mike Tomlin fired. And I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, you got to nail this next offensive coordinator hired and make no mistakes about it. But I think getting rid of Matt Canada shows that Mike Tomlin understood the problem. And he doesn't really, I mean, the Steelers in general, this is the first, I think this might be the first time in the Steelers franchise history that they've made um, a move at, uh, and think firing any coordinator uh, during the, the course of the season. They usually make these moves after the season if they make them at all, generally. They're a very patient franchise, but it shows you the point that it got to uh, that they did make this move in season. And I'm, I'm interested to see what the Steelers offense looks like going forward. Like I said, I can't imagine it's that much different, but probably different enough to kind of, you know, give them some juice going forward. They got such a good defense that a lot like the Browns on the other side of the field in this game, they just only have to be average on offense. They've been below average this whole time. All they have to be is average on offense, and they have the weapons to do it. I mean, say what you will about Najee Harris, not a guy that should be the lead back, but if you get into short yardage, he's a guy that can absolutely get you two or three yards, get you into the end zone when you need him to. Uh, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, uh, Pat Fryermuth, um, quietly, um, Darnell Washington, a guy that has not really splashed so much in the passing game, is everything pretty much I expected him to be in the running game. Very solid blocking tight end at the NFL level. It's, it's kind of the niche that he has carved out uh, with Pat Fryermuth taking uh, a bit more of the passing reps in that situation. But it's not like they're bereft of weapons on this team. It's just a matter of instilling the confidence in Kenny Pickett using those weapons properly, game planning to get those weapons the ball uh, and getting them in in favorable situations to make plays after the catch. Um, again, I'm, I'm interested to see what the, uh, the new play calling situation does uh, for the Steelers offense. Like I said, all they have to be is average and they can still move uh, forward and get a playoff berth uh, when it's all said and done. A good win by the Browns, though, in this one. It's gutsy, especially in the first game uh, after Deshaun Watson is out for the rest of the season. We move forward, though, from here. Got some gas. Got some... Ugh. You know, it's one of those things where... Uh, you ever had a burp and it's just not coming up? Like, it's it's just sitting there. And, you know, if you, if you push... To, you're on that little fine line where if you push too hard... Uh, you might reflux up some stomach up there, uh, but if you don't push hard enough, it's just not coming up. I'm in that weird spot right now. Maybe that's just a me thing. Maybe maybe like people that eat healthier don't have that problem, but you know, sometimes I'm just a little fat piggy, so it's just kind of, it is what it is. Either way, let's keep it moving. Uh, Bears just cough one up versus the Lions. I believe it was, um, and I got to check the actual uh, game itself here. What what the hell's going on? Retired QBJ. Okay, cool. Who cares, Adam Schefter? You just you just took me away from my flow here in this game. Ah, uh, yes. So here here it is. The the Bears were up with a Cairo Santos field goal. They had a fourteen play seventy yard drive late in the fourth quarter, capped off by a field goal. Eight eight forty five taken off the clock in that drive as well. They took a field goal to put them up. 
26 to 14 with 4:15 left in the game, and they lost. By the way, folks, they give up a 32-yard pass touchdown uh, to Jamison Williams, and then with 29 seconds left, David Montgomery runs one in. They get a two-point conversion, and then on the well, not the final play of the game, um, but really the final possession that mattered of the game. Justin Fields drops back. And uh, I guess like a forced fumble by Aiden Hutchinson goes out of bounds out of the back of the end zone. Uh, Detroit Lions get a safety. That puts the game out of the reach. You can't even get a field goal to try and tie it, make it go to overtime. So the Detroit Lions just have a hilarious comeback against the uh, Chicago Bears. A, uh, a, a famous group of losers uh, that, uh, you know, lose another game. And Detroit Lions improved to 8-2. They win at 31-26. to Um all I can do right now is, is one laugh at the Bears because they're a, they're a sad franchise who are going to be losers until the end of time, and that's just kind of the way things are, the way they have been, the way they, they truly always will be. I mean, what what more can I say? Um, they've won more Super Bowls than the Vikings, but you know what? I will I'll trade uh, that, that that consistent success. I'll, I'll take the consistent success over just abject poverty uh, ever since they got rid of Lovey Smith. Uh, with the exception of one year under Matt Nagy that ultimately ended up working out to their detriment because they, they held on to Nat, Matt Nagy for uh, a couple years too long. Uh, but I'll I'll, tra- I'll keep this consistent success even without the Super Bowl uh, looking at what the Chicago Bears have had over there. Uh, I digress on that front. I do think credit is, is warranted here for Justin Fields because um, I hope... All of you people that uh, sat back and said Tyler Bajant was better than Justin Fields, I hope you all feel as dumb as I know you are because Justin Fields was spectacular in this game, especially early on and obviously kind of faded down the stretch here. Um, had that crucial forced fumble from Aiden Hutchinson at the end of the game, obviously, which doesn't help. But 16-23, 169 yards, uh, no interceptions, one touchdown. Uh, ran for over 100 yards on 18 carries. Um, if you were saying Tyler Bajant was better than Justin Fields, I need you to take a long look in the mirror and ask yourself, do I got a little bit of that sism in me? Just a, just a, a teensy-weensy bit. Am I just fiending to see a white starting quarterback in Chicago right now? What What's wrong with me to where I'm so just thirsty, just utterly, just dying man in the desert thirsty for a white quarterback that I would take a undrafted rookie free agent uh, over a guy that is such an explosive athlete like Justin Fields. And don't get me wrong, Justin Fields has played terribly at times this year, just abjectly awful. But he is not worse than Tyler Bajan. Tyler Bajan is not... He is like maybe half the player of what Justin Fields is, and Justin Fields isn't even particularly that good. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that dumb conversation is over. Doesn't seem like that's a conversation that really permeated in the building, at least not in a serious manner. So I mean, kudos to them for not being as dumb as some of the fans are. I mean, some of man, fans in general. There, there's a lot of fans out there with some really dumb takes. And uh, by God, you love their passion, but man, they need to shut up sometimes. And this was certainly one of those situations. Uh, Bears stink, though. I mean, back to hating the Bears. I mean, give Justin Fields all the credit in the world. Hopefully, I mean, the Bears are going to probably have the number one overall pick via the Carolina Panthers when it's all said and done. Or maybe they go on a big old losing streak and they earn it of their own right. Either way, they're going to have two top five picks in this upcoming draft. 
uh, both their own and the Carolina Panthers, just a matter of where they end up falling in the mix there. And Justin Fields will be traded for probably a second round pick. I don't think he's definitely not going to get a first round pick, but I would say a second round pick, maybe a, a late round pick swap to go with that. Um, hopefully he ends up at a place that'll, that'll utilize his talents properly. I'm thinking, I mean, I would love to see, I mean, this is a popular one going around. I'd love to see Atlanta trade for him. I think that's a, that's a good fit, especially with what Arthur Smith wants to do with the running game. Hasn't quite translated to the quarterback run game. I mean, they've had opportunities to do it with Desmond Ritter. Uh, Not that Desmond Ritter is as explosive as a running uh, quarterback as Justin Fields is, but I think you add B. John Robinson to Justin Fields. I mean, you could run the damn wishbone at that point. I think you'd have a damn good offense uh, down there in Atlanta. There's a multitude of places that I would be okay with Justin Fields going to. Just just get him out of that sorry situation. And I'm sorry, Caleb Williams. You're going to have to bite the bullet on this one and uh, take one for the team. Unless unless the Bears, you know, look at the, the maturity issues that you're seeing with Caleb Williams, all the red flags there, and they say, no, we don't want the egotistical, ultra-talented guy. We're going to go with the, the good old white QB and Drake May, which, I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to besmirch the good name of Drake May. He's a hell of a prospect in his own right. I mean, would have been the number one overall pick this last year over both C.J. Stroud, who is fantastic, by the way. We'll get to him in just a minute. And Bryce Young, for that matter. He would have been with the Carolina Panthers this last season if he was in uh, the previous year's draft. So I don't want to besmirch the good name of uh, of Drake May, but... I could see a reality where the Bears decide to go with uh, with Drake May over Caleb Williams when there's ob- it's obvious that Caleb Williams is probably a better uh, prospect head to toe than he is. So, yeah, I don't. I, don't, I just hope Justin Fields lands on his feet. I don't, I don't think. I think he's probably got some growing to do as a leader. Um, I think he's a good kid, though. I think he's you know just not been in a good situation with the Chicago Bears. I hope he lands on his feet. I just hope he lands on his feet, not in the uh, in the division. If the Chicago Bears are uh, stupid, they'll trade him in the division. Uh, I certain. Hey, I just said I spent all this time uh, singing Justin Fields' praises. Don't don't trade him to the Vikings. I I would like to draft a quarterback. Quite frankly, I I would I would enjoy uh, bringing in a quarterback, having him sit behind Kirk Cousins for a, a season, and then uh, rolling with him going forward. I'd, I'd like a homegrown guy. I don't I don't need uh, one of the Chicago castoffs. I think there's a, a lot of. Other good destinations for Justin Fields for him to go to. So I hope he goes there. Um, the Bears would be idiotic to trade him in the division unless they really think like just dog shit of Justin Fields, which would be a little bit unwarranted in my opinion. Um, but that never put a pass in the Bears is the Bears. So you, you never know with those sorts of things. Uh, but yeah, Bears stink. Lions, on the other hand, don't stink. They are 8-2. Uh, got a real good shot to get the one seed if he can, can get a Philadelphia loss in there somewhere. Um, maybe I mean, at the very worst, I think they're probably the two seed in, in the NFC. That is not to say they do not have some concerns. And the concerns go first and foremost with that defense. Because over the last several weeks or so, um, with the exception of the Raiders game, uh, against the Bears, they give up 26 points. Against the Chargers, they give up 38. Raiders, I think they, they put the... That was the nail in the coffin for, for Josh McDaniels, so that's not really saying much there. They only give up 14, but they give up 38 to the Ravens. Um, they give up 24 to the Panthers, which is an indictment in and of itself. Uh, 20 to the Packers, who had not been playing well. Um, really, ever since they had those those big-time losses in the secondary... Uh, like C.J. Gardner-Johnson going out specifically. 
this defense has not been playing well. They've been playing a lot like the uh, uh, the previous year's version of the Detroit Lions. And I think a lot like the Ravens, this is not something that's going to tank them in the regular season. They're, they're a shoo-in for a playoff spot right now. The problem is when they get to the postseason, and assuming that uh, there's really no assumptions here, I mean, they're kind of neck and neck with the Eagles. Obviously, the Eagles have a one-game advantage uh, over them, uh, being 9-1 and one at this point. But if they get to the postseason, which they will, they will get to the postseason, and they host the playoff game, which also seems pretty likely they're kind of running away with the division. Um, uh, maybe not quite. I mean, they're up two and a half games, so they're pretty much running away with the division at this point. Um, when they get to the playoffs, obviously in that round one, they're going to face a lower level opponent. But even so, with the defense struggling like they have been over this last several games, really, there's no guarantee that someone can't come into Detroit and uh, really just give them one and, and make them kind of, I mean, just shock them, really. Come in there. If you get someone coming in like, say, I don't know, a team that can put up some points on you, like the Seattle Seahawks early on in the year, who, by the way, another poor defensive performance, they lost 37-31 to 31 in overtime in that game. If you get a team like the Seahawks in your house, and uh, Geno Smith has another one of those games. Everyone's firing on all cylinders. It ends up being an absolute thriller. Who knows what's going to happen there? And even if you get past that first round, you're facing better competition at each level of the playoffs. That's just kind of how this thing works. Duh, what else is new? I just don't know what the, the holes, the deficiencies on this defense. I would still put them clearly behind both um, the 49ers and the and the Eagles at this point because the Eagles and the 49ers have less questions on that side of the ball and that yes the the, the Eagles have um, more questions than I think they probably get credit for but still even so they they force turnovers they rush the passer uh, they stop the run they do a lot of things that the Detroit Lions have not been doing here recently so the offense is great Ben Johnson is awesome um, a great offensive coordinator who's going to be a head coach in this league. As soon as next year, I actually would be shocked if he did not get a head coaching job going into next season. But I just don't know in this, with with the way their team is constructed in this season, with how kind of even the NFC is for the most part, I, I just don't see him making a Super Bowl run. Maybe they win a playoff game this year, which is kind of the, the expectations that the fans have. I think you'd be happy if you get a playoff win this year, but I would I would temper expectations as far as Detroit Lions going to the Super Bowl. I just don't think they have the horses on defense yet uh, to make that sort of run. Uh, they're still probably, and you hope you nail the next offensive coordinator hire. If Dan, if Dan Campbell gets it right like he did with Ben Johnson, you should be uh, just fine. And I would imagine Dan Campbell has taken note of a lot of the offensive concepts that Ben Johnson uses, uh, the way he coaches up that offense, and will probably translate it into whatever offensive system that comes in next, if Dan Campbell is smart, that is, which I believe he is a, he's a smart coach. He kind of plays behind that meathead persona a little bit. Not fooling me. That dude's a smart, smart guy. You don't get to this point uh, getting the, the Detroit Lions where they are now if you're not a smart guy. I just think they're a year away from uh, uh, from from the front office, uh, from Dan Campbell, kind of, you know, building up the defense a little bit more. Um, they need a little bit more help in the secondary. I think the front seven's actually doing pretty damn well. Maybe add <clears throat> one more guy in there, one more pass rusher. Uh, but, I mean, I think they did really well on the, on the draft picks on that front seven. 
just need to get some guys on the back end, and you should be good as gold, quite frankly. Um, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, we'll see if they resign him uh, this offseason. But, uh, I mean, you got Cam Sutton in the building. Uh, you got all, all sorts of talent. You just got to kind of, you know, bring it together a little bit more. I'm not sure about Detroit Lions uh, this season, though. Like I said, they will still make a playoff spot, probably win a playoff game. But I have a hard time seeing them get past the divisional round, quite frankly. And uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, man, I really got to start moving. What? How, how far am I into this podcast? 30 minutes in and I've gotten through, what, one, two, three, three games. My goodness. Yeah, we got to hit the turbo drive on this one. Uh, Packers beat the Chargers at home 23-20. to Jordan Love starting to heat up, man. And uh, I mean, to be fair, if you're a quarterback I mean, you're, and you're looking for a pickup, no better spot to get one than against the, uh, the, the almost said San Diego. Not San Diego, the L.A. Chargers defense uh, with that defensive guru, uh, Brandon Staley. Uh, atrocious passing defense. And uh, very much illustrated by Jordan Love getting, I believe, his second 300-yard game. It's either his first or his second 300-yard game of his career. Uh, he throws for 322, two touchdowns, 8.1 yards per attempt, no interceptions, um, no lost fumbles either. He played very, very well in this game. Um, and he did pretty much everything you ask him to. Ends up winning the game. The Packers are now 4-6. and six. Uh, Brandon Staley. Got a little spicy in the post game. Uh, someone asked him uh, if he was going to relinquish play calling duties on defense. Uh, he snapped at him, said, "No, I'm not relinquishing play calling duties, and you can stop asking me because I'm going to keep calling plays." Uh, yeah, that's a dead man walking. Maybe not the deadest of dead men walking in the NFL circles right now, but uh, Brandon Staley, he's done after this season. I think everyone knows it, including Brandon Staley at this point. Um, yeah, just a failed experiment for the LA Chargers. Uh, a quote-unquote defensive guru that never had an even serviceable defense uh, as the LA Chargers head coach. Even when Tom Telesco went out and got him all the tools you could po possibly ask for. Now, to be fair, uh, J.C. Jackson was maybe the worst investment um, of all time. Not of all time, but a terrible investment on the outside. Never really hardly played uh, for that defense. His ankle just shattered before he could even... Uh, come up and and do anything with that team, um, but I, even so, if you're a quote unquote defensive guru, like a young quote unquote genius, a boy genius on the defensive side of the ball, a quarterback who uh, plays or not plays, but calls defense through the eyes of a quarterback, thinks about the offense uh, uh, from a defensive mind. Did that make any sense? Probably not, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, for him to come in. Have that cachet and not do basically anything with the Chargers is, it's all you need to see. He probably should have been fired after the playoff game last year. And um, whoever the, the the owner is there, I think it's Spanos. I want to say I want to say Spanos is the uh, is the owner over with the Chargers. Cheap-ass son of a bitch. I probably didn't want to pay the, the buyout. So, you know, sunk cost fallacy. You go another year with uh, with with this old guy here. Uh, it's going about how you would expect all the talent in the world and uh, just just fumble in the bag in, in crunch time. What else is new uh, again? Um, yeah, he's going to be done after this season. Hey, maybe you get Bill Belichick in the building. We'll have to see what happens there. Um, wouldn't read too much into that. I feel like he's probably... Man, I hope Bill Belichick doesn't doesn't leave the New England Patriots. Quite frankly, that would be that'd be a sad move on on their part. I think, yeah, we've been over what what I think we should do with the uh, with, with the the New England Patriots at this point. And um, by the way, 
don't don't blame these losses on Justin Herbert, man. I mean, he did he continues to do everything in his power to win. I mean, 7.2 yards per attempt, which is, you know, it's average, but two touchdowns, uh, no interceptions, ran for 73, was the leading rusher actually in this game, 73 yards uh, on the ground, inexplicably got away from the running game in, in this one when they were getting 6.3 yards per carry. And even if you take out Justin Herbert, uh, their leading back, Austin Eckler, finished the game with a 6.4 yards per carry clip too. So it's not like Justin Herbert was completely inflating the rushing stats, which he did to a certain extent. He did get half of the rushing yards in this game, but uh, kind of inexplicable to get away from the running game too, which falls not on Brandon Staley's shoulders quite so much as uh, as Kellen Moore. Uh, what, el- what else is new there? It's just, it's a mess from top to bottom. It's basically Keenan Allen and a bunch of dudes over there. Um, the, the time is coming soon for the Chargers. The time is coming soon. And uh, hey, Green Bay Packers, I didn't even know they were four and six, quite frankly. I, I thought that they were a lot worse than they are. Hey, man, maybe they're a little bit frisky down the stretch. Who, who's to say? Who's to say? I still don't think they make the playoffs. I am still less than convinced of Jordan Love's legitimacy as a starting quarterback. Uh, maybe with this this play down the stretch, he's buying himself another year to kind of see what they got in the tank, though. We'll have to see what, what uh, happens down the uh, back stretch of the season. However, you got to be really worried about this, this Green Bay Packers running game, though. Jaden Reed was the leading rusher on this team with 46 yards, um, three rushes, 15 yards per attempt. You, you understand. I mean, A.J. Dillon... Uh, was the leading running back in this game. He went 14 carries for 29 yards. I mean, just a, two yards in a cloud of dust every time he touched the ball. And that's just, that's what you get from A.J. Dillon every every week, quite frankly. Aaron Jones, that was the, uh, that's the big news coming out of this one, though. He's got a sprained MCL. Won't play on Thursday versus the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. Uh, Going to be probably week to week after that. And um, wouldn't be shocked if he missed some extended time. Um, not going to help their run game out at all, which is already struggling. And uh, where do they go from here? Also, Emmanuel Wilson, who contributed in this one, he's on IR, actually. I forget if it was an ankle injury or a knee injury, but he's on IR now uh, with, with some degree of injury. Same thing with Luke Musgrave, who went out in this one as well. Um, so bodies are dropping over there with the, with the Green Bay Packers. Um, not going to help them on offense and the defense. As long as Joe Barry's there, they'll never have a good defense. And I'll, I'll say that till the cows come home. He is not a very good defensive coordinator. And I think I'm just kind of echoing the sentiments of basically every Packers fan out there. Um, I just, I don't know how he has stuck around as long as they, as he has. Um, I don't, I, Hey, they're an old school organization with the, with the Green Bay Packers. They do things a little bit differently over there, but uh, I mean, same thing with, with Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada. At some point, Matt LaFleur has just got to look over at the other side of the ball and be like, you are actively killing me in this job right now. I expect a change to be made after the season, but also with with the recent past and everything that's gone in there, wouldn't be shocked at all if they just ran it back once again because they just enjoy bashing their head into the wall until they realize, maybe I should go get a hammer to try and knock this thing down instead. Not sure that's an apt metaphor, but that's a pretty good indication we've wrung about as much juice out of this game as we can. Got to keep it moving from here. We still got to hit that warp speed going forward. Uh, we can kind of just breeze through this game. Dolphins get the win 20-13. to Like I expected, the Raiders kept it close. Um, they are 
you know, firmly in that feisty territory since getting rid of Josh McDaniels. Antonio Pierce has adopted a lot more conservative play style, but ultimately, ultimately a style that gives him a better chance to win, I think. Um, they keep it close, but ultimately Dolphins get the win 20-13. to Jalen Ramsey gets two uh, critical interceptions of Aiden O'Connell in this game. And of course, Tyreek Hill, what else is new? Just a, a ho-hum, 10 receptions, 146 yards and a touchdown. Still on pace for over 2,000 yards this season. In a season where there's no great quarterbacks uh, jumping out uh, ahead of the field, Tyreek Hill should be the MVP, flat out. He should be the MVP of the league right now, either him or Miles Garrett uh, on the other side, though a defensive player has not won the MVP since Lawrence Taylor back in the 80s. So Tyreek Hill should be the MVP this year unless someone just emerges down the stretch. Um, it should not be Jalen Hurts like the odds-on favorites are saying right now. It, it should be Tyreek Hill, quite frankly. Um, it, it shouldn't just be a quarterback award no matter what. It, you got to sometimes, when there's a year like this where no one's really jumping out ahead of the pack, there's no Patrick Mahomes just lighting up and dicing up every single defense he comes across. A guy like Tyree Kill that is doing exactly what I just said uh, to opposing secondary, striking more fear in opposing secondaries than just about any weapon in recent memory outside of like maybe a Randy Moss, quite frankly. Um, he deserves to have that MVP uh, crown. I. I'll say it till the cows come home. A lot like the Jaden Daniels campaign in college, if there's any justice in the world, Tyree Kill will win the MVP this year. Unfortunately, not a whole lot of justice in this world, so I don't have a whole lot of faith in that, but that it, that would be my pick, quite frankly. We'll just keep it moving from there, though. Not a whole lot else to get into with that one. Oh, boy. Commanders are sad. Commanders are sad, folks. The Giants go into uh, Washington into FedEx field that in the post game. Did not have hot water, could not fix it until they could shut off all of the water uh, the next day. So players could not shower unless they were trying to get cold-ass winter showers uh, at FedEx Field. Um, the football team matches their sadness. The Giants come in, get a win, 31-19. to I believe the Commanders turned it over six times in this game. Sam Howell had three interceptions, got sacked nine times. The only reason I know that is because I had the Giants defense this week. Um, in in fantasy football, um, well, actually, no, I might be thinking of the uh, of the Giants. The Giants, I think the Giants gave up nine sacks because I had the Commanders defense, and uh, the Giants offensive line was so bad. The Commanders defense still got me uh, double digit points uh, when giving up thirty one points in this game. Just a, a abhorrence, absolute abhorrence. And in the fourth quarter, all the Giants did was just run away with the game. Seventeen to seven, they outscored the Commanders in the fourth quarter, put it out of reach. I mean, the, the Italian stallion himself, Tommy DeVito, lit this one up. I mean, three touchdowns, 246 yards, nine and a half yards per attempt, zero interception. And with how hapless he looked in previous weeks, this is a just stark indictment of the Washington Commanders defense from personnel to coordination. And um, not exactly going out on a limb here, but I do believe this was the nail in the coffin for Ron Rivera's tenure as the Washington Commanders host. I think this is another guy that was probably a dead man walking and everyone knew it coming in. But um, there's there's no doubt anymore. You can't you can't hold on to Ron Rivera. And there's so there's so little doubt that I think I mean they got a, a game against the the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday where they have an opportunity to be just blown off the field. And if they get embarrassed. On, uh, on Thanksgiving, 
I would not be shocked at all if on Black Friday it became a, a Black Friday for uh, a different reason with uh, with old Ron Rivera. I, I think if, if they get beat bad on Thursday, they fire him on Friday. I, I just don't think he, his leash is shorter than just about anyone else in the league right now. I know Jay Glazer was saying um, Frank Reich's seat is hotter than anyone else in the league. Think again, my friend. Think again. That that was before this game was played, though. So you know, cut him a little bit of uh, slack. Uh, you you can't lose by double digits to a team that's maybe the worst in the entire NFL outside of uh, Carolina. You just simply can't do it if if you're uh, if you're Washington. This coaching staff is on its last legs. Only one that I think might be able to stick around is Eric Bieniemy, and he will probably end up being named uh, the interim head coach when Ron Rivera eventually gets fired, which I would assume happens sometime during the season. Um, outside of that, though, not a whole lot to look forward to in this game. Just a, a sad matchup between two sad teams where the only thing we learned is that Ron Rivera probably not going to make it to the end of the year. We move on to another sad game, though. The Cowboys do exactly what I expect them to do. They go into Carolina and kick the piss out of them. 33-10. to uh, Dak Prescott didn't even really need to be good in this game. He was out by the fourth quarter anyways. They had Cooper Rush in the game. And uh, yeah, that, that that's all she wrote. Um, Frank Reich, I think he makes it to the end of the season. But Jake Laser wasn't exactly off. I mean, David Tepper is the most... I mean, probably... Maybe not the worst owner necessarily in the league. Probably the least pleasurable to work for, though, quite frankly. I think David Tepper is uh, the most impatient man in the entire league. Um is a micromanager in the worst possible way, especially when you're NFL owner. That's the, the last thing you want to be. Um, micromanages, has his fingers in all the pies around the entire facility, and it's led them to a 1-9 start where they're actively ruining Bryce Young's career um, right out of, the, out of the gates. It still perplexes me just how bad this Panthers offense is. That The offensive line is just a shell of what I thought it would be coming into the year. I mean, the receivers are, I mean, about as average to below average. I mean, definitely below average um, as I thought they would be coming into the year. I mean, shout out Adam Thielen. My God, he is dragging the lifeless husk of this receiving core uh, along behind his back. Probably going to get well over 100 catches this year with the pace that he's on this season. I mean, hey, shout out to the former Viking. He's the lone bright spot on this entire team right now. Outside of that, I mean, the defense is bad. Uh, The offense is somehow worse than the defense. The Panthers, and it's not like you can tank for draft position. Uh, they traded up and traded the entire farm away, including DJ Moore, uh, to go get Bryce Young. And with how impatient uh, um, David Tepper is at the owner, I have no idea how Scott Fitterer has stuck around as long as he has. And I've been, I have not been a Scott Fitterer guy for a long time now. I think he's been terrible in the draft, he's gotten bad free agents. He's not been able to build a good team. He put Matt Rule, Matt Rule in a bad spot with his bad draft picks. Um, I don't. Did he draft Brian Burns? If he did draft Brian Burns, that's pretty much the only draft pick that he truly just nailed it on. And outside of that, what can you look at through the tenure of Scott Fitterer and say, yeah, he absolutely nailed uh, that particular move? I don't think there's a whole lot you can point to, quite frankly. And with how impatient David Tepper is, I'm surprised Scott Fitterer hasn't been fired, and I think that might be the next domino to fall after this season, unless him and him and David Tepper are just boys, and unless it's just like he's developed such a a good 
uh, strong relationship with David Tepper. They've they've developed their own, you know, gay love affair, whatever it happens to be, uh, to where they're just, you know, having just passionate nights out together. Uh, you know, doing hey, love is love, baby. If you're if you're in love, you you stick around with that. Love is a beautiful thing. It's it's a beautiful thing. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it should not cloud your judgment when it comes to uh, hiring and firing decisions. And with David Tepper being so ready to pull the trigger on uh, on on uh, Frank Reich after one season. Kind of surprises me that that uh, Scott Fitterer doesn't have more uh, heat on his seat, if you will. Uh, no need to spend more time on that, though. The Cowboys, we know what the Cowboys are. They're going to destroy bad teams. They're going to struggle against really good teams. Um, it's going to be close against good teams at the very least. We move on from there. Oh, boy. Titans stink, man. They are so, so bad. I mean, Jaguars beat the hell out of them, 34-14. to And it's not like Will Levis looked bad either. I think he was like 13 for 17, two touchdowns in this game. Granted, uh, both of those touchdowns came after uh, the Jaguars jumped out to a 27-0 lead. I mean, by God, by the end of this game, I was upstairs uh, playing Alan Wake 2, which, by the way, fantastic video game. Should win game of the year if I were the one picking, uh, but... I'm not, and I didn't play all the other games of the year nominees. So I mean, what what do I know? But I, let's not lose sight of the fact that I mean, yeah, Alan Wake is a fantastic game. But that you know, usually on a football Sunday, one I'm usually working, so it's a moot point. But if I'm watching football, I'm not usually going upstairs to play video games in the middle of the game. But when your options are either watch the Cowboys beat the piss out of the the uh, the, the Panthers. Or watch the Jaguars beat the piss out of the Titans. Video game time, folks. That's what that's what the calculation is for your boy there. But uh, yeah, uh, hey, shout out to Jeff Simmons. He scored a touchdown in this game. They ran a, a trick play down like a bajillion points. So, I mean, hey, got a fellow alumni some some points in this game though. So hey, shout out, shout out to Jeffrey Simmons. Wish you were on a better team so I could you know root for you more a little bit. Uh, but uh, it is what it is there. This is kind of what we expected from the Titans coming in. They're, excuse me, not a good football team. Just not a good football team. Maybe the Jaguars are rounding into shape, but we said that a couple times now. 7-3, though, so you can't be too um, too discouraged from what you've seen uh, from the Jaguars. Big matchup in the division coming this week uh, against the Texans. And with that, let's just move on to the next game, shall we? Uh, Cardinals go into Houston and uh, they, they lose one to the Texans. Not for a lack of effort, though. In the second half, uh, the defense really came alive. C.J. Stroud looked like he was going to throw for damn near 600 yards in the first half. I mean, he was dicing them up. In the second half, though, throws three interceptions, uh, kind of fumbles down the stretch. Not, not literally fumbles down the stretch, but kind of, you know, uh, doesn't have the greatest performance down the stretch. They ultimately escape with a win, though. Texans get the win 21-16. Cardinals with Kyler Murray, though, they're they're a legitimately feisty team. They're feistier than you might think. Uh, the defense plays better than, you know, they have any right being with the bereavement, bereavement of personnel that they have on that uh, on that side of the ball. Hey, shout out Jonathan Gannon, man. They're doing, doing better than you might have expected. Blake, who the hell is Blake Cashman? I just, I'm just scrolling through the box score right now. Some dude named Blake Cashman for the, uh, for the Houston uh, Texans. Got 19 tackles, 13 solo tackles, uh, a sack, a tackle for loss, and two QB hits, a pass defense. He was he put the entire team on his back and then just kept it moving. Also, Derek Stingley, by the way, uh, back off of IR, two passes defense, top five pick uh, the previous year. Shout out to him. Will Anderson, two tackles for loss in this game. I mean, 
All of the moves over the last couple of seasons that Nick Casario has made, especially up top in the first round, are working out gangbusters. I mean, another move in the mid-rounds, Tank Dell, maybe their number one receiver right now. He is playing out of his mind. Another big-time game in this one. Eight receptions, 149 yards, and a touchdown. Um, so as far as the Texans are concerned, I mean, C.J. Stroud, you know, had more interceptions in this game than he had all season to this point. Uh, probably more of a credit to the, the Arizona Cardinals on defense and Jonathan Gannon on defense uh, than it is, you know, a, a disservice to the uh, Texans or whatever you would call it. Um, but still very much in the MVP conversation, man. If he gets the Houston Texans to the playoffs, he's going to be right in the thick of it when it's all said and done. One of the final, I mean, I don't know if they have finalists for MVP. It's not like the Heisman or anything like that. But he's going to be right up there in the conversation if he keeps playing like the way he's playing. It's not like early on in the season where he's, Dinkin and Duncan trying to find his way in the NFL. No, he they've opened up the offense for him now, and he's got the confidence. He has got the leadership capabilities. I still have no idea how he didn't go number one overall. People really talked their way into Bryce Young. I I ended up talking myself into it to a certain extent to where I was like, okay, I understand why the why the Panthers are taking uh, Bryce Young, but. I, I feel like I kind of maintained till the very end. If I had that number one overall pick, I'd take C.J. Stroud. And I think I'm being kind of vindicated throughout the course of the season, but neither here nor there on that front. Um, C.J. Stroud is really damn good. The Houston Texans got a big-time matchup coming up this week with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and likely a matchup that ends up deciding the division. Um, I got to make sure. Uh, yeah, they already played. Uh, Texans beat the hell out of the Jags in week three. This is the last matchup between the Jags and the Texans, and the Texans end out with uh, Broncos, Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans again, and the Colts. So it feels like this is, this game, if the Texans win it, I feel like they have the inside track to win the the AFC South and uh, make a run at the playoffs. Even without a win in the, the AFC South, I think they're going to have a good enough record to get a wild card spot uh, when it's all said and done. So, I mean, this... What a, what a coaching job by D'Amico Ryans. What a job rebuilding this team by Nick Casario. What a coordinating job uh, by Bobby Slowick. I couldn't tell you to save my life who the defensive coordinator is for the Houston Texans. I, I don't remember if D'Amico Ryans is calling the plays or not. Uh, do forgive me on that front. Uh, but, I mean, just hats off to the Houston Texans. They're so much better than I even thought they would be. I thought they'd be frisky throughout this season. I didn't think they'd be 6-4 and four through 10 games, though. They are so much better than I thought they would be. Kudos to them for turning it around in a flash after just a couple of years of abject misery uh, and just paying coaches out the ass to not coach there anymore, which they are still doing, make no mistake about it. Uh, but, hey, got them to where they wanted to be in the end, though. So, hey, good, good for them. Um, Cardinals on the other side, I mean, they, they're still terrible, though. They're still going to end up with... Uh, a top 10 pick at the very worst, most likely a top five pick being two and nine. I think they're at the number two overall pick uh, right now with the, you know, standing all alone at the top, the uh, the the Chicago Bears, the number one overall pick via the Carolina Panthers. One of the worst trades of all time, but I digress on that front. Um, I think Kyler Murray's showing you enough to be like, okay, this is the guy we need to build around going forward. Um, passing wise, he was inconsistent, but Completed two-thirds of his passes, 7.1 yards per attempt. Ran for a touchdown, threw for a touchdown. Didn't get an interception, but I think he's kind of matured. I think having this ACL injury has really upped the maturity. And, you know, hard times breed uh, just, you know, it can... 
what, what am I trying to say? I think hard times can kind of, you know, either push you farther in the, in the bad direction you were going or kind of make you take stock of things and, uh, you know, realize that you need to grow in certain areas if you want to be the best that you can be. I think Kyler Murray ended up doing the latter. I think this is a guy that you build around going forward um, and you use that top draft pick to, I mean, fill one of the 50,000 holes in this roster that you still need to fill. I think Kyler Murray is a guy that you, you continue to build around. I don't think I don't think you roll the dice on one of these quarterbacks in the draft when you got Kyler Murray in the building with Kyler Murray playing as well as he's played. And he's got things that you simply can't teach. He was a number one overall pick for a reason. I think he still shows uh, that he was that number one overall pick type of talent. I mean, he is still an electric runner. Uh, if he can protect himself a little bit more like he has shown throughout the course of this year, if he can continue to improve, being you know accurate, uh, better decision maker, uh, continuing to have good habits off the field as far as studying and all of that, uh, and and you know being an encyclopedia of football knowledge, which you need to be uh, as a uh, as a quarterback. I think the Cardinals are going to be just fine with Kyler Murray going forward. I don't, I don't think they should trade him. I don't think they will trade him, uh, quite frankly. I think they know what they have in him, and I think they're going to move forward with him. Um, could be totally wrong in that front, though. But 2-9 Cardinals, they stink. They're going to have great draft position, though. And that's, you know, I think that the franchise is moving in the right direction. If you're a Cardinals fan, uh, you can take solace in that. Um, keep it moving from there. Uh, Buccaneers. Go into uh, San Francisco and just get worked by the 49ers. They, they score a touchdown late to keep it closer than it, you know, it really was. Uh, but 27 to 14, uh, Brock Purdy was back on his bullshit in this game. It's, it's amazing what a difference that Trent Williams and Debo Samuel make uh, to the, the quality of this offense. 333 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. I believe he was over 10 yards per attempt as well. Yeah, 13.3 yards per attempt. 21 of 25 uh, passing. He just, he lit up the Buccaneers defense in this game. Brandon Ayuk had 156 yards uh, receiving. I mean, it was it was a bloodbath. The, the San Francisco 49ers are back in juggernaut mode, in buzzsaw mode. And I think that, again... I am not wavering off my pick that they will represent the NFC in in the uh, in the Super Bowl when it's all said and done. I mean, the Eagles can you know they got that, that flashy nine and one record. They've got all that that exciting games that they can work off of. San Francisco 49ers, outside of that three game losing streak, have done nothing but annihilate teams all season. So. I've got all the faith in the world in the San Francisco 49ers going forward. I think if Brock Purdy, I mean. He has just enough shit to him where I feel like he can give you something uh, that uh, obviously a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't. He'll, he'll take those risks that Jimmy Garoppolo simply wouldn't. Um, he'll take some risks that, I mean, he will not take some risks that Jimmy Garoppolo did ill-advisedly, uh, did himself uh, whenever he was the San Francisco 49ers quarterback. He's more mobile, uh, a better running threat. Brock Purdy, I mean, he's not really... He's not the the top five quarterback that people were probably hyping him up to be early on in the season, but he's at his best. He is like a, a top ten fringe, you know, high teens sort of quarterback, like maybe eleven or twelve, uh, or at the bottom of the top ten, anywhere from like nine to to twelve. You could see Brock Purdy whenever he is at his best, and with the pass rush that the San Francisco 49ers have on the other side of the ball, that is all you need him to be. You need him to be. A little bit above average. If you're a little bit above average, uh, you're going to be in damn good shape. 
Did not come out of this game unscathed, though. Yes, the, the defense did play well. They did lose Talanoa Hufanga for the season, though, starting safety. A guy that just flies around all around the field. Um, tried to break down for a tackle, tore his ACL. He'll be done for the rest of the year for the San Francisco 49ers. And we're going to have to wait and see what kind of impact that that has in the San Francisco 49ers because that puts even more pressure on that front seven to get to the quarterback quickly because uh, that secondary was already struggling for the San Francisco 49ers. You could see the losses in free agency over the last couple of years accumulating on the back end for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, there were holes in that secondary. There's a reason why they went out and got Chase Young at the trade deadline. And it's because of that secondary struggling the way that they had been struggling. Um, I'm interested to see if, they, if they've if they reached a tipping point on that back end uh, where, you know, maybe they keep they get a few more, gash for a few more big plays uh, that they might not have had if Talano Hufanga was in the game. Again, though, this this is just a big old, big old flashing red sign for the front seven for the San Francisco 49ers to step up in a big way. They, and they need to going forward uh, if the San Francisco 49ers are going to continue this pace, which I have all the faith in the world for them to do. I mean, when you got Nick Boza, uh, Chase Young, Javon Hargrave, and just weapons upon weapons behind them, uh, just depth for days. You got the best linebacking pair in the entire league in Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. I got all the faith in the world in you to uh, to figure that thing out when it's all said and done. So, going to be interesting to see how they work around uh, having Talano Hufanga anymore. That's that's going to be a big loss for them. Uh, Tampa Bay kind of sticks, kind of sticks. What they they started the season what three and zero or three and one rather. Uh, they have now lost. I count one, two, three, four, five of their last six games. Their only win coming against the lowly, abysmal Tennessee Titans, who they worked, by the way, 20 to 16. They, they beat the life out of them, which tells you all you need to know about the Tennessee Titans. But uh, yeah, we're seeing a little bit more of what I saw uh, in the preseason from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, defense is okay. Offense is just not good enough with uh, with Baker Mayfield and the their bereftment of talent on the offensive line. Poor Mike Evans. I said it last week. I'll say it again here. Get him on a contender, man. He, he deserves better than this. He already got his Super Bowl, so I don't feel too bad for him, but get that man on a contending football team. He doesn't deserve to be languishing in irrelevance when he's still uh, one of the best receivers in, in the entire game right now. Not quite on that level of a Devontae Adams, a Justin Jefferson, a Tyree Kill for that matter. Uh, but right in that tier behind him, Mike Evans is still very, very good. Still probably going to get a 1,000-yard season with just bad quarterback play. Baker Mayfield, he's Baker Mayfield. We all know what he is. Uh, but yeah, I don't have a whole, a whole much more to say about that. Other than, I mean, it's not going to get a whole lot easier for him on defense either. I think Jamel Dean, they're going to lose for at least a, a week or two. It's not as bad as it appeared uh, initially. I think they were expecting him to miss a little bit more time. But after tests, I think he's kind of week to week. Probably won't play this week. Um, and uh, against uh, a team like the Colts, who have really had a explosive offense this year, not a great time for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their playoff hopes are slipping away right before their very eyes right now. And uh, someone's got to win that NFC South. I don't think it's going to be Tampa Bay, though. I don't. It's, it's going to be either Atlanta or New Orleans, kind of how we all expected coming into the season. We move on from there, though. Um, we'll spend a little bit of time on this one, too, because some, some, uh, some news came out afterwards. But the game itself, I mean, the Bills just beat the piss out of the Jets. 32-6. to 
uh, in the beginning of the Joe Brady era as the offensive coordinator. Not a bad start. James Cook ended up with a little bit over uh, four yards of carry, I think close to five yards of carry. Uh, Khalil Shakir got an 85-yard touchdown, ended up with 115 yards on three catches and a touchdown. Josh Allen uh, threw for 275, three touchdowns, one interception, which that one interception was on a Hail Mary. You don't really count that one interception. Josh Allen played damn near flawlessly. And against the defense for the Jets, that... I mean, they're one of the best in the league still. It's just, I've seen this before with the Minnesota Vikings in the year that uh, they traded for Sam Bradford. And they started 5-0. and I've, I've told the story before, and if you remember NFL history to a certain extent, you probably remember this too. They started that season 5-0, and had one of the best defenses in the entire league. Everyone was firing on all cylinders. And then after a certain point, the defense just fully felt the weight of not having a quarterback worth a damn on the other side, not having an offense worth a damn on the other side. And they went three and eight down the stretch and missed the playoffs. And the defense kind of crumbled from there. That's where the Jets are at right now. They give up 32 to the, to the, uh, the Bills, who they kind of dominated in week one uh, on defense. Um, did not turn out to be that way this time. Uh, Zach Wilson was... I mean, I put out a tweet about this during the game. I marvel every week that he's forced to be on my TV just how god-awful Zach Wilson is at quarterback. And uh, it finally reached a tipping point. Replaced by Tim Boyle in the fourth quarter, which you could pass off as just you know being benched because they weren't going to come back in that game. Ultimately, though, Robert Sala comes back in the post-game press conference, says, I don't know who we're going to start at quarterback the next week, which pretty much all you needed to hear uh, because the inevitable happened at, after that. Tim Boyle will be starting for the New York Jets uh, in this upcoming game against, I actually don't really know who they play this upcoming week, but uh, either way, Tim Boyle is starting. Zach Wilson will actually be the third string behind Trevor Simeon. The Zach Wilson era in New York is done. It's No matter what they say at this point, uh, no matter what kind of optimistic words that uh, at Robert Salas spitting out there or Aaron Rodgers and anyone, they're good teammates. They'll they'll stick behind their guy. They're not going to throw him under the bus uh, at this point. But we all know what it is. We all have working eyes. It's simply just the era is over. It was already pretty much over coming into this season. You know what? Maybe this is for the best to where, you know, they see Zach Wilson. They get a reminder of just how god-awful he is at playing quarterback. And they're like, okay. You know, maybe we go in a little bit different direction going forward. Um, consult with Aaron Rodgers first, obviously, because the last time didn't really work out too well when, when the team did this. But uh, maybe draft a quarterback this year. Couldn't hurt. I mean, you're probably going to have Aaron Rodgers for at least one more year, maybe two. Wouldn't be the worst idea to, you know, take a guy up high, which, I mean, I don't know. If, if you're up... If the Jets keep losing, they don't. if they don't win a game through the rest of the season, they end up with a top five pick. Probably a better investment to go with a guy like Olu Fashanu, uh, stud offensive tackle out of Penn State, uh, a guy that would really step in and, and help the Jets, especially with the uh, the health concerns for Mackay Becton. You got a, 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 just an ancient offensive line all around. I mean, you're going to get Elijah Vera Tucker back next season, which, you know, that, that'll help. That'll help big time for you. Uh, but you need help on that offensive line. If you don't decide to go with the offensive line, though, maybe you take a swing on a guy at the top of the draft that you don't expect to start for a year and change. A guy that can sit behind Aaron Rodgers and have Aaron Rodgers mold him into something that you saw from Patrick Mahomes, which Patrick Mahomes, probably a lot of that was intrinsic. A lot of that was, you know, you could see it in college. I mean, there was a game against uh, Oklahoma famously with Baker Mayfield at quarterback where he famously threw for like 
800 yards in a game. Uh, so we knew it was there. We we knew it was there. But you know, having sitting behind Alex Smith, his his first year with Kansas City, I think you kind of saw, you know, instilled a few good habits that I think in Alex Smith in tandem with Andy Reid uh, really helped uh, keep him on the rails when he did get in there the next season. Obviously. Uh, won the MVP and the rest is history from there. Michael Jordan of football. Uh, what do I know on that front? But we'll, you know, you'll come around to my side eventually. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. I digress on that front. Uh, but yeah, maybe the Jets take a swing at the top of the draft, bringing a guy like that. Um, the Zach Wilson era is over, though. I don't know what they do with him after this season. I don't know if they just outright cut him or what the situation with the rookie contract is right now. But uh, yeah, he's not going to be. He's not going to be the quarterback going forward. I can I, you rest assured that will not be the case. Uh, but hey, Bills get a big time win. They are entering a gauntlet stretch right now. Absolute gauntlet stretch. They got the Eagles, Chiefs on the road in back-to-back weeks, and they're hosting the Cowboys. They're at the Chargers. Got a little bit of a, a reprieve with the Patriots. Then you are right back at it at the Dolphins to end off the season. A gauntlet stretch. Absolute gauntlet stretch. You're facing, uh, by my count, at least four legitimate playoff teams. Uh, Chargers talented enough to be a playoff team. So you're looking at like five of the next six games against really talented teams. This is going to tell the tale of their season right now. And I think with Josh Allen at the helm, the ceiling is the roof for this team. We already knew that. But I don't know. It's, it's going to be a tough stretch for them. Um, interested to see, especially with all that they have lost on the defensive side of the ball, how they end up pulling through this. Eagles will be a big litmus test for that next week because that offense uh, they will not show mercy. Absolutely will not show mercy. I can I can assure you of that. Uh, let's keep it moving, though. We got three games left to recap here. Uh, first and foremost, get the hell off my screen. Get, get, get away from here, you drop-down menu. Um, the Seahawks go into L.A., and they just <laughs> cough one right up at the end. Uh, Rams score 10 points, come back in the fourth quarter, get the win 17-16 to over the Seahawks. Uh, Geno Smith exited this game at one point uh, with what I believe they're calling a triceps bruise, then came back later in the game when, you know, it was clear that Drew Locke stinks and, uh, you know, tried to bring him back. Ultimately could not, though. Rams get the win 17-16. 4-6 the Rams. Another team that I thought was just dead in the water that, you know, eh, they got some stuff to do here late in the season, but hey, still could conceivably make a playoff game. I mean, they before this game, they lost four of their last five. But, I mean, hey, they're at the Cardinals. Uh, got a, a backup quarterback-led Browns team, which that'll be an absolute rock fight of a game in all likelihood. Then, well, at the Ravens. Then you got the Commanders, Saints, Giants, and Fort... Rams aren't making the playoffs. Who am I, who am I kidding right now? Rams aren't going to make the playoffs. Uh, Seahawks, though. Good. I mean, they're still a solid team. They're a solid team. I mean, spoiler alert, I think I went over it on, on the... Uh, on the Tuesday episode, don't got them winning this game on on uh, Thanksgiving night against the 49ers, but hey, they could, they could, you know, maybe pull one out, uh, tank my gambling record. Why don't you? I mean, they're a six and four team. They're they're in a solid little position. They don't have to win as many games as the Rams to get into the NFC playoffs. And that seven seed, that's a wide open seven seed right there, man. A nine and eight could get you that seven seed this year. So I mean, hey, have faith, have faith, kids. I think you're going to be right in the line to. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me, get a playoff berth, and hell, if you got to go to the Lions in in uh, the opening round, it seems like the Lions are in line for that two seed right now. If you got to go to the Lions as the seven seed, you already beat 
goodness gracious, the gas in my throat and in my gut is just, it's unrelenting. It's unrelenting right now. But back to my point, if you got to go to the Lions, you already beat them at one point this season. All you got to do is just get into another shootout and you're right there, uh, possibly getting a playoff win, uh, pulling off an upset. It's not impossible. Not impossible for the Seahawks to still pull it together and uh, make a good season out of this. They just, uh, you know, they got a gauntlet ahead. They still have to play the uh, the 49ers twice. Uh, once starting on Thanksgiving, and then they got one more uh, down the stretch of this year. So good luck. Good luck, Seattle. Oh, oh man. Um, well, Sunday night game. Uh, the Vikings went on the road to the Broncos. And uh, I got a confession to make here, folks. Before this game, I just I had a feeling. I just had a good feeling, man. I just thought the Vikings were going to come out there and they were going to win. So I committed one of my cardinal sins, and I'm not proud of it, but I do have to admit uh, when I when I do make these sins, because, you know, we're, we're transparent on this show. We try to try to keep, you know, a good two-way conversation, you know, get a little transparency in there, never hurt anybody, never hurt anybody. But, uh, you know, I as well to say, I have to admit, um, I bet the Vikings money line in this game. And, um, yeah. Didn't work out well for me, folks. Uh, Vikings go into Denver, and uh, they lose uh, 21-20. to Cortland Sutton, that son of a bitch, just caught a fantastic, fantastic catch at the end of the game. Uh, just a, a big man over a small man getting a touchdown. Uh, uh, just, I'm sad. I'm sad right now, man. I mean, Vikings are still 6-5. and five. It is what it is there. It, it, it just, uh, man, I, I feel bad on that one. I, I, feel, I feel like I've let my team down when betting on them, man. I just, uh, oh, one and one all time betting on the Vikings. And it's just, it is what it is, is what it is. I mean, we got to have a conversation about these fumbles, though, guys. I mean, this time, Josh Dobbs. And by the way, for that, that narrative of people saying we need to keep Josh Dobbs and build around him, no. No, 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 no. Come on. Come on now, guys. Let's not let's not buy into the bit here too much. It's I mean, Josh Dobbs, good story. Awesome story coming in. I think he's a guy that can ultimately lead us to the playoffs. Uh, maybe have us competitive in a game. Hey, maybe, maybe if we get lucky, he can win us a game. But uh guy, let's not uh, let's not fool ourselves here. That's not a franchise quarterback going forward. I maintain we gotta we gotta draft a guy. We gotta, you know, keep Kirk Cousins around for another season, sign another manageable one-year deal. Have him sit behind, have the new quarterback or rookie quarterback sit behind um, Kirk Cousins, and then, you know, we'll move on from there. Let's not get carried away with the Josh Dobbs thing, but he lost a fumble in this game. Alexander Madison lost a fumble in this game. I will say, despite the two turnovers, that one turnover by Josh Dobbs, I mean, should have been an unnecessary roughness from Kareem Jackson. The league thought so, too. I mean, Kareem Jackson... I mean, all the Denver Broncos players playing victim, like, oh, what is the defender supposed to do in this situation? I don't know. Uh, maybe don't put your head straight down to the turf and then launch head first into the starting quarterback. Could help. Could help. Already got suspended for doing that early in the season. And then they're talking to all this bullshit, like, oh, what's the defender supposed to do? I don't know. Maybe look up when you're trying to make the fucking tackle, man. I don't... It's not... It's not 2005 anymore. You can't just lower your head and then just go helmet to helmet all willy-nilly with people. It's a, it's a different league now, folks. They're finding, I mean, left and right for shit that I don't even think is really penalties. This was a clear penalty. Didn't get called in the game, by the way. 
just, you know, led to a fumble by Josh Dobbs that was ultimately uh, recovered by the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos get a field goal. And by the way, uh, they win by one point. So very consequential uh, field goal they ended up getting uh, on that on that possession ensuing. Um, yeah, the... I mean, I guess credit to the Denver Broncos. They're 5-5 five and five now. They are absolutely alive in that AFC playoff hunt. I mean, maybe the best coaching job that Sean Payton has ever had. I mean, especially making, fooling Russ, people to, into thinking that Russell Wilson is a serviceable quarterback. That is the greatest heist that um, Sean Payton has done thus far. I mean, he has really uh, schemed around the deficiencies of Russell Wilson's game to a flawless degree, quite frankly. I mean, he has shown Sean Payton this season that he is every bit is advertised. He is one of the greatest offensive play callers of all time. I mean, no no two ways about it. Um, able to craft an offense to an absurd degree and uh, hats off to him for what he was able to do with Russell Wilson in this game. And really, Russell Wilson so far this season, he has done an excellent job of, of scheming around those deficiencies. Um, yeah, that, that being said, I mean, they got a lot of, a lot of ground to cover going forward. So I, I, I don't know is what it is. I'm sad. Vikings, though, I went when I was kind of looking through the uh, the scoreboard uh, through this past week and, you know, looking into the Vikings schedule, I still think 11 and 6 is in the cards, man. And I can go through uh, all the games going forward here and, and illustrate it. Uh, Bears should be a win at Raiders should be a win as well at the Bengals also should be a win uh, versus the Lions. I think we split the series with the Lions. So we probably win the one at home beat the Packers the next week at home, and then we go to the Lions in the last week of the season, probably lose that one. You add all those up, that's 11-6, and six, folks, still in the cards for the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm not I'm not totally dejected. I just uh, I feel like an absolute clown. Not to the least degree because I could have just bet the spread on the Vikings. They were plus 2.5 coming into the game, and uh, lo and behold, they lost by one. So I would have won if I just bet the spread. I don't know, though. If you're betting on, if you're betting on your team and your team is not favored... The only honorable thing to do is bet the money line. You can't be having mixed, conflicted feelings about, oh, yeah, my team lost, but I won on the spread. No, 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 no. If you got any honor in your soul, you're betting the money line if your team is uh, is an underdog. And that's just the way it is, quite frankly. Um, yeah, I don't I don't want to wallow in that depression, though. I got, all, I got plenty of depression coming with the Egg Bowl coming up tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, pain. Pain is inbound. That's all I got to say about that. We got one more game to get to, and it was a doozy. I got to get a time check right now. Oh, hour 17. Jesus Christ, I am I am bloviating like a son of a bitch right now. So we'll try, try to get through this fairly quickly. Um, best game of the week, though. Eagles versus the Chiefs. Um, sloppy game. I mean, it was, I mean, rain coming down um, in Kansas City, too. So, you know, it was cold to go with that rain. Receivers dropping passes for the Chiefs. What else is new? Um, ultimately, though... Eagles uh, come from behind out of the half. They were down 17-7 at the half. And all they do, they're just uh, steady Eddie in the second half. They get two touchdowns, shut out the Chiefs, uh, who, by the way, I believe they have the worst second half offense in the league right now. And when you have Patrick Mahomes, that is a a stark indictment of the weapons that they have in the room there. Um, shut out the Chiefs in the second half. They outscore them 14 to nothing. Eagles get the win 21-17. And honestly... This one should have been even more of an entertaining one down the stretch because with like a minute 50 left, um, NVS got an absolute just gift, a, a gift from the gods. And by the gods, I mean Patrick Mahomes' arm straight onto his hands 
and he just dropped a surefire touchdown. It just dropped the go-ahead touchdown uh, at the end of the game. Ultimately, though, I mean, it would have been Eagles with three timeouts with a minute 50 left. I got to believe Jalen Hurts, with the with the receivers that he has at his disposal, would have found a way to matriculate down the field and at least get a field goal, send this thing to overtime. But God damn it, the, the abject, terrible nature of the Chiefs receivers cost us an absolute classic in overtime. And I... I will. I hold resentment against the Chiefs receivers for that. Quite frankly, I hold a lot of resentment against the Chiefs receivers uh, for that. Um, but it brings up the the issue that we've been talking about all year with the Chiefs is that we have found the the critical point, uh, the critical low for the Chiefs receiving core uh, that is just simply not tenable when you have Patrick Mahomes. You need outside of you need you need at least one legitimate um, game changing wide receiver out there. Um, if you are the Chiefs outside of Travis Kelsey. I mean, Travis Kelsey, he's going to do what he's going to do. I think he ended up with like seven receptions in this game as well. I mean, he's a consistent stud. I mean, there's a reason he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, seven receptions. I mean, not a whole lot of yardage, seven receptions for 44 yards, but they get a touchdown. Also had a critical fumble in, in the red zone. Can't be, can't be looked over as well. And I mean, it's not like it's not like uh, Patrick Mahomes came out smelling like roses in this game as well. But, I mean, 4.1 yards per attempt at, at when it was all said and done. Uh, two touchdowns. But that one interception he had was an, a, just a terrible throw uh, in the red zone, in the end zone, in fact, uh, straight to Kevin Byard. And he can't he can't be quote, totally absolved of that either. I think, he, you know, there's, there's some blame to go around there for Patrick Mahomes as well. But by God, I mean, Justin Watson dropped some passes. Uh, MVS obviously dropped the most notable pass. I mean, he had passes being dropped all night, and the Chiefs lead the league by a mile in drop passes right now. I don't know what, I don't know how the Kansas City Chiefs go on from here. I don't know how they improve this receiving core. They, I mean, frankly, can't in the season at this point. I mean, there's no, uh, the, the trade deadline has passed. You can't make a trade anymore. So there's no good way for them to improve the receiving core. This season, and I do think with that defense, they're still my favorite in the AFC to come out and go to the Super Bowl. Um, but this is not a tenable position for the Chiefs to continue being in. Uh, they need need to, to get a game changing wide receiver in that building. Um, I think you can keep the defense consistent for the next couple of years. I think with Chris Jones in the middle over there, uh, with Willie Gay, Nick Bolton's going to come back at some point. I don't know if that's a, that's a season ending injury he's got. Uh, he'll he'll come back at some point, whether it's it's later this year or next year. And, you know, the, the secondary is what it is over there. Steve Spagnuolo seems to have really dialed it in as the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. I mean, the defense is going to be what it is, I feel like, going forward, especially with a, a young guy like Trent McDuffie in there playing out of his mind at corner as well. You just, I mean, I think this is worth it, investment in the first round. Uh, first round, second round, hell, maybe even go with the third round. Get a weapon in there. And in addition to getting a weapon, Get another offensive tackle. I mean, you paid Jawan Taylor. That's that's going to be, it is what it is there. You paid him a bunch of money. He's going to be your right tackle going forward. Uh, but you need, need to draft a quality uh, left tackle in, in this draft, I think. I th- either bring one in in free agency, uh, pay out the ass for one, which, you know, not a bad idea in its own right, or draft one in, in the draft coming up. But you got you to gotta improve uh, the outside of that uh, offensive line because the tackles are not up to snuff. The tackles and the receivers just not up to snuff for the Kansas City Chiefs right now. Um, but I still think they're the best team in the AFC, quite frankly. When you got Patrick Mahomes, 
Uh, you got Travis Kelsey. You got that defense with the greatest quarterback of all time on the other side. You've always got a chance. You have always got a chance in every game. And for my money, they're they're still the Super Bowl favorites uh, to come out of the AFC at the very least. I still got. I still think the 49ers are a better team overall. But uh, we'll cross that bridge when we inevitably come to it. Because I know I'm right. I know I'm right. Now I won't concede that I'm wrong until the uh, until the 49ers prove me otherwise. So I digress on that front. Put a pin in that. Um, Philadelphia Eagles on the other side. Not a pretty one. Not not a pretty one by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you you kind of relied on a couple big plays in the running game. I mean, DeAndre Swift uh, broke off a 35-yard uh, uh, run in this game. Jalen Hurts ended up getting you two uh, tush-push touchdowns uh, in this one as well. Uh not a great passing day. I mean, you can blame it on, on the rain or, or whatnot, but I mean, zero touchdowns passing, one interception. Um, Devontae Smith, I mean, led the receiving by a mile. I mean, it, only 150 passing yards for Jalen Hurst. 99 of them went to Devontae Smith, and then DeAndre Swift was your second leading receiver. So that should tell you just about all you, all you need to know. A.J. Brown was one catch, eight yards. Um, basically a no-show there as well. I do think it is encouraging, though, that they played such a bad game offensively, but they were opportunistic enough defensively and they were able to kind of corral uh, the the Chiefs defensively in the passing game uh, to a point where, I mean, you hold the greatest quarterback I've ever seen to 4.1 yards per attempt, you know, force a couple, couple key turnovers. I think winning a game like this is, it's a damn good testament to what the Eagles are. I think, again, it seems like we are rearing up for a rematch between the 49ers and the Eagles, whether it be in the divisional round or be in the AFC champ in the NFC Championship. It's feel like, it feels like it's going to happen here at, at some point. I think to me they're the clear two best teams in the NFC uh, still to this very day. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure we learn anything about the Philadelphia Eagles or the Kansas City Chiefs for that matter, but I think we, do, you know, kind of solidified in, in my thought that. Uh, it's just a really, really good uh, Eagles team, and I think they're going to be right there, uh, either in the NFC Championship. Uh, they're really, if they beat the 49ers at any point in the playoffs, shoo them in for the Super Bowl. Quite frankly, I don't think there's anyone else in the NFC um, that can really get there. But with that, that is that is all for Week 11. Let's look at Week 12, shall we? I got two more bets to add uh, throughout the course of this one. I just got to pull it up to remember what I did. Um, I know first and foremost, I did end up pulling the trigger on uh, Michigan, Ohio State under 46. I just, like I said in, in the previous episode, that game's got 20 to 13 written all over it. That, that just feels like it's going to be a rock fight from start to finish. Two of the best defenses in the country and two offenses with ample holes uh, on either, either, either side there. So I just feel like that's going to be a defensive dominated game. 46 entirely too many points. So I'm taking the under on that one. Um, we don't have to wait long for my other pick. I only added uh, two more because uh, we had we had five on Tuesday night. So uh, adding two more to get a, a nice nice uh, round seven there. Uh, right off the bat, to kick off uh, Thursday uh, of Thanksgiving, uh, you're going to be having all this food in your belly. And while you got that, why don't you go ahead and bet uh, Packers-Lions over 47? Uh, already went over the defensive struggles for the Lions. Packers are really kicking it into gear offensively. Um, not encouraging that uh, Aaron Jones won't be out there, but the Packers have really picked it up. Jordan Love has really picked it up in the passing game. It's a suspect secondary for the Detroit Lions as well. Ooh, itchy eye there, itchy eye. So I just feel like, I mean, the Lions are going to score their points and the Packers are going to let the Lions 
score their points. There's a reason this line is seven and a half right now. That hook scares me. Otherwise, I would take the Lions in this game. Um, but, I mean, the over at 47 points, I just feel like both of these teams are going to score an ample, ample amount of points and get this thing over 47. So that is my uh, that is one bet that I've got. Um, I should I should really pull up the uh, the lines though. I need to I need to get over to the uh, old Action Network. Take a look at what we've got over here. Uh, all markets, all markets. Yup. Yeah, and you could still get the. Uh, I think you're actually looking at a forty. You can get a forty-six and a half if you're if you're willing to spend some juice uh, over at Fanduel. Otherwise, it's uh, forty. It's moved to forty-seven and a half uh, in most other places. You can still get a forty-seven at BetMGM though, if you're if you're still in the market for that forty-seven. Uh, that's that's where I'm riding though. We keep it moving. Uh, second game on the Thanksgiving slate: the Commies versus the uh, Cowboys. Um, Maybe not a it's not a game that I'm going to make an official pick, but um, the line has now moved to 13 and a half everywhere except for FanDuel, and I still think the Cowboys cover. I think the Cowboys are going to splatter the Commanders in this game. I I feel uh, fairly confident because we know who the Cowboys are. They destroy bad teams, and they sometimes have some struggles against good teams. Um, just wait and see until the playoffs. That's you know, holding pattern for the last several years, pretty much. Um, yeah, I just think the Cowboys are going to beat the living shit out of the Commanders in this game. So, yep, I am liking the minus 12 and a half. You can still get it there. Um, not sure if that line has updated for FanDuel yet, though. So take that with a grain of salt. Minus 13 and a half everywhere else. And I still like that number. I think the, I think the Cowboys win by two touchdowns. So uh, no worries there. Over under is at 48 and a half in most places. You get a 49 at DraftKings if you're looking to bet the under. And I would probably lean the under. I don't think the commanders are going to score a whole lot against the Cowboys because it's not just that the Cowboys offense is going to run all over uh, or, you know, hit a bunch of big passes against that commander's defense. It's that the offensive line for the commanders is atrocious and the Cowboys are trotting out a high octane pass rush. It is. Um, just not a good good formula for the Commanders. I don't think they have much of a chance to win this one, but it is the NFL. Shit happens like this every single week. Um, already went over. You can still get a minus seven on the San Francisco 49ers. Can't remember if I got a minus six or a minus seven on them. Yeah, minus seven. Still holding strong for the San Francisco 49ers pretty much across the board, and I love that bet. I think the 49ers are going to win uh, fairly handily and fairly comfortably, I think, by double digits in this game. So, Feeling good about that, uh, especially without. I didn't forgot to mention Kenneth Walker is out for this game too. He injured his ankle, um, and without um, without him in there, I just I just feel like the 49ers are going to dominate this game. I, I truly do. Um, over under is 44 in most places. You can get a 43 and a half if you're looking to bet the over. That's at Fanduel right now. Uh, but yeah. I don't have a great lean either way. I, th I, could, I could see the 49ers just absolutely throttling the Seahawks. So for the sake of the pick segment, um, I guess I would lean the over. I don't feel great about that, though. I, I think that's a pretty good, goodness gracious. I think it's a pretty good number there with the 44. So, yeah, keep moving from there. Uh, Dolphins uh, minus nine and a half. Pretty much across the board. You can get a plus 10 at uh, DraftKings if you're looking to bet on the Jets for whatever reason. Um, this feel this feels like another blowout coming. I, I feel I feel like uh, the, the Dolphins might uh, handle this one. And I love, I 
that's a that's a hook in a juicy direction for the uh, for the Dolphins there. If you get a uh, you know double digit win, you get a cover in this one. Not one I'm going to add to the bet slip, quite frankly, but one I'm probably going to bet with my own hard-earned money on. I, I feel uh, I feel pretty good that the Dolphins are going to win this game. Um, so take that for what it is. Not going to add it to my bet slate, but uh, not my official bet slate anyways, uh, but I do feel pretty good about the Dolphins covering at minus 9.5. Uh, over, under, you get a 40.5 at points bet if you're looking at the over, if you're an absolute sicko. 41 everywhere else, and I would lean the under. I just eat. Tim Boyle's not good either, folks. He's just, they, the bottom line is they should have traded for like Andy Dalton or Jacoby Brissett or someone at the trade deadline. The, the Jets, they fumbled the bag. What's, what more can you say? You, they, they fumbled the bag uh, by not bringing in someone worth a damn to quarterback the team. So, yeah, I would even lean the under even at 41. I just don't think the Jets are going to score enough points. Um, in this game, and I think at some point the Dolphins probably let off the gas whenever they're up by 20 points or whatever they end up being. So, yeah, I probably still lean the under on that one. Um, Patriots are minus three and a half at the Giants. I, I like the Patriots here. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be dead before I bet money on this Patriots team. They're just not a very good football team, but you got three and a half across the board. Tommy DeVito feeling all good about himself. Uh, let us not forget, Bill Belichick eats rookie quarterbacks for lunch. And I thought, is Tommy DeVito a rookie quarterback? I think he is a rookie quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel pretty good that, I mean, the over-under is a disgusting uh, 34 and a half. Uh, get a kind of range between 34 and a half and 33 and a half, uh, depending on where you go. Just go ahead and shop around on that line. Um, yeah, this is going to be a, a disgusting game. I just feel like the Patriots end up coming out with a win on that one. Uh, Buccaneers at the Colts. Colts are favored by two and a half pretty much across the board. And I like the Colts. I, I like the Colts at two and a half. I think they win this one. Um, maybe not super comfortably, but I, I think they do win this one. Um, I I like the over. I, I really do. I think it's you can get a, a 44 and a, you can get a 43 and a half according to this. I, again, I don't know how updated that number is for FanDuel. If it is still 43 and a half at FanDuel, though, Go right ahead. I mean, not knock yourself out. I don't have a whole lot of faith in the Buccaneers to score, but I don't really have a whole lot of faith in the Colts to stop anyone from scoring either, quite frankly. Their best defensive performance was uh, last time they played in Germany uh, against the just an abysmal uh, New England Patriots offense. So who's to say? Who, who's to say, quite frankly? Uh, I, I like that over, though. I'm, I'm Another one that I might bet with my own money. Uh, but not not going to make it on the official bet in this one. Um, Saints at the Falcons. Uh, you can get a good range of numbers in this one. It's a it's a pick 'em at Rivers actually. Uh, depending on where you go, it's either minus one or plus one in either direction on this one. It's pretty close. It's it's a pretty close game, and that kind of fits with the history of this one too. I have no great feel on who ends up winning this game. Um, I just feel like back against the wall. Uh, Falcons and Arthur Smith are going to pull this one out, um, especially uncertainty at the quarterback position with uh, Derek Carr still in the concussion protocol. Um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I, I just I just feel like the Falcons come out and, and win this one. They find a way to get the win. Uh, so uh, over under is 42 or 42 and a half. Uh, lean the under, folks. That These are two teams that like to run the piss out of the ball and have solid defenses. This has underwritten all over it. I could be wrong on that, but I have a feeling that this that, that under is going to hit. Um, Titans at the, or Panthers at the Titans, rather, excuse me. 
Uh, it's three and a half in most places. Looks like you can get a four at uh, FanDuel if you're looking to bet on the Panthers. I am not. Um, even with as bad as the Titans are, I think the Panthers end. Or the, sorry, the Titans end up winning this game and they end up covering. I just the Panthers are so bad. They're so just ungodly terrible. It's it's an it's a front to an affront to humanity and a front to football fans, specifically the good fans over in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm with you in spirit. Not in presence, quite obviously, but I'm, I'm with you in spirit uh, that you deserve better. Um, not going to happen this week, though. I feel like the Titans are going to cover that one. Um, over under, you got 36 and a half in most places. Uh, you got 37, it looks like, at FanDuel right now. Action Network's a little bit slow in updating the FanDuel numbers, though, so... Uh, do your own research, I, I suggest. Um, I would still even lean the under at that 37. It's a low number. I'm not taking it myself, but these are two teams that are allergic to scoring, folks. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see that changing in this one. Uh, so yeah, I would even, even with a low number like 37 or 36 and a half, depending on where you get it, I'd still lean the under. I would still lean the under. Already on the Steelers, we got them at minus one. Um, and that's still the best number out there right now. You can get a variety of numbers. Hell, if you're looking to bet on the Bengals, looks like points bet's got a two and a half for you. So go right ahead if you if you are so inclined uh, to do that. Um, I wouldn't be. Over-under is 35 and a half. And this is another one where I'd still probably lean the under. Is there, I, don't, I don't know how much better the Steelers' offense is going to get, but I, I know the Bengals' offense is going to get significantly worse with Jake Browning at quarterback uh, as opposed to Joe Burrow. So yeah, it's just not a... That's going to be an ugly game. That's going to be an AFC North game to the very T. Uh, but yeah, we're on the Steelers. You know what it is. We're on the Steelers right now. All right. So next one o'clock game, Jaguars, Texans. Briefly alluded to it in the recap segment. But this is a, I mean, a pivotal, pivotal game for the uh, AFC South standings. I feel pretty good when saying I think the winner of this game ends up winning the AFC South. So big time implications on this one. Uh, you can get uh, one and a half in most places if you're looking to bet on the Jaguars. If you are looking to bet on the Texans, though, get a plus two at points bet right now. They're the only ones that have it, it would appear. So everyone else is uh, is one and a half. Uh, you can get a plus two at points bet. I like the Texans in this one, man. I think the home field advantage really does them well. I think they're playing a little bit more consistent football than what the Jaguars are, too. Um, I'm not betting this game, and I won't even do it like off the record either just because, I mean, the Jaguars have been so herky-jerky up and down. You don't know what you're getting on any given week. Um, they get blown off the field by the San Francisco 49ers, and then they just absolutely beat the life out of the Titans. Who the hell even knows what you're going to get with the Jacksonville Jaguars? So they can come out here and win this game by double digits for all I know, but I just feel like I just feel like the Texans are an ascending team right now. I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna push for a Super Bowl or anything like that. But I I, I feel very good about them winning this game. I again not good enough to bet on it, but I feel good about them winning this game. Uh, over under is uh, you can get a forty eight at points bet Caesars and uh, yeah those are the two. Otherwise you're looking at forty eight and a half. <sighs> I have no great feel on this over under. I think they got a pretty good number there at forty eight or forty eight and a half. I would probably lean the under a little bit actually, just because. I feel like both of these defenses are going to get turnovers. I got no logical explanation behind that, but uh, I just I just got a feeling like turnovers are in the cards in this game. So yeah, I, I, I feel like this is going to be a little bit lower scoring than what they're expecting. But again, I, I feel like that number is dead on though. I'm not, not messing with that at all. Um, Rams at the Cardinals. It's actually, 
it's a it's a pick'em over at uh, at Rivers right now, and I you know that seems justified. I feel like the Cardinals with Kyler Murray at quarterback are a different team. They're a feistier team, quite frankly, and with the Rams being you know not that much better of a team, they got a, a couple positions where they're an upgrade over the Cardinals, but by and large, not that much better. And they're rightly favored in a lot of places by either one or one and a half. But yeah, I just feel like at this point, I do think the Rams win this game. I think it's going to be close. I think that it's a pick them for a reason in, in some of these places. Um, so yeah, give me give me the Rams. Not betting that though. This is going to be a sad, sad matchup in the 405 slot. Uh, early four o'clock slot, if you will. Uh, 44 and a half across the board on the over-under. I don't know. I don't know, man. I think that's a pretty spot on line as well. Um, I suppose I would lean the over. You know, two good quarterbacks matching up, two defenses that are average at best. Sure, whatever. Take the over at 44 and a half. Definitely not betting that, though. Uh, Browns, Broncos. Broncos favored by one and a half across the board on all the services you could want. Um, I don't know. I, I, the Broncos are really playing well. I, I'll take the Broncos in this one, uh, especially going up against a, uh, a a rookie backup quarterback with the Browns. I think, you know, 35 and a half on the over-under, I'd still lean the under. And you can actually get 36 in a lot of places, so def- definitely shop around on that. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd still lean the under there. I don't think either of these, these teams are going to score a lot of points. Um, you know, DTR with the Browns hasn't been fantastic, and the Broncos defense has really been playing better here recently. And the Browns have probably the best defense in the entire league at this point. So, yeah, it's going to be a low-scoring affair. I just think the Broncos find a way to cover that one and a half. Again, won't be betting that, but I, I've if I had to lean, I'd lean towards the Broncos in that one. Um, Chiefs at the Raiders. You can get a good range, you know, anywhere between eight and nine uh, on the spread. Um, I'd probably lean the Chiefs, but that number scares me. I'm probably staying away from that. Um, over under, get a good range between 42 and 43. Uh, I'd probably lean, uh, I think that's another dead on line as well. I'd probably lean the under, quite frankly, because that's just the type of football that the Raiders and the Chiefs play at this point. But I think it's a pretty dead on line. I don't, I'll probably stay away from that one. Uh, Bills at the Eagles. That should be the marquee matchup of the, uh, of the late uh, afternoon time slots. Um, it's minus three or three and a half, depending on where you get it. Three, get three and a halves at uh, DraftKings, um, BetMGM, and uh, yeah, those, those are the two with uh, with three and a halves right now in in favor of the Eagles. So if you wanted to bet on the Bills, go to you know either of those that I just mentioned. Um, I guess I would lean the Eagles. Um, I. Don't have a great feel on this game. I think the Eagles kind of struggled last week, but then again, you're in a hostile road environment. Now you're coming home uh, to the link. I feel like the Eagles end up winning this one and they end up covering. Uh, 48 and a half on the over-under pretty much across the board. Shit, give me the over. I, I feel like the Eagles are going to be able to score on this Bills defense, and Josh Allen can score on just about anybody. So yeah, give me the over on that one. Uh, may or may not bet that one. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Ravens at Chargers. Ravens, Ravens favored by three and a half. And I'm, I'm, say it with me, folks. I will die before I bet money on the Chargers. So yeah, I'm gonna go with the Ravens in this one. May or may not bet. It's a Sunday night game. Could be fun. Could be interesting. Chargers have a knack of keeping games within one score. So I mean, hey, 
they're here for the people's entertainment, if, if nothing else. Uh, they don't win a whole lot of those games, but they're here for the people's entertainment here, folks. Uh, so, yeah, I would, I would probably take the Ravens at minus three and a half. Uh, over, under, get a good, good, good mix between, you know, 47 and a half and 48 and a half. Um, probably lean the over. Not one that I'm going to bet on, but probably lean the over at 47 and a half. And we got the game of the week here on Monday Night, folks. A storied, storied rivalry like no other. The Bears are at the Vikings. You can get a minus three on the Vikings at points bet. And, uh, you know, they're the only ones dumb enough to set it at three. Everyone else is at three and a half right now. So, obviously, your boys your, your boys riding with the Vikings. I'm not going to bet them on the spread. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to repeat that same mistake two weeks in a row. But your boys on the Vikings. And as I say it, though. Three and a half is a really thin line, isn't it? Huh. Hmm. Hmm. I might be back on my bullshit here, folks, but you know that's either here nor there. Um, yeah, the Vikings are a better football team. They're they're on their way to probably a playoff spot. You can't lose to the Bears. You simply can't lose to the Bears. So yeah, they. I think they come out here. Uh, they get the win. Uh, over under at uh, forty three in most places. You get a forty three and a half at FanDuel. It looks like everywhere else has moved to forty three. Um, I'd probably lean the over. Uh, Bears defense isn't that great. I think Justin Fields is, you know, good good to break one here and there and uh, and get some points on the board for the Bears. So I, I like that 43. Um, yeah, there you have it. There is your uh, there is your preview for the next week. Let me just quickly go over the bets that we are on once again. Uh, we are on Kansas minus six. I believe that line has already moved to like seven. So you got to get on, on that early. Uh, at Cincy, uh, Texas A&M, LSU, over 66.5. Louisville, minus 7 versus Kentucky. Uh, 49ers, minus 7 at the Seahawks. Steelers, minus 1 at the Bengals. Those are ones that we were already on coming into the day. The two that we added today, Michigan-Ohio State, under 46. And Packers-Lions, over 47. And there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. That's it. That is it. We are we are done for this week. Um, if you enjoyed, subscribe wherever you're listening to it. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, um, Amazon Music. Just you know, grow these numbers a little bit. Help share it. Why not? I mean, hey, hey, help me get a few more listeners than I already have. I got like three damn listeners a week, and I can't I can't stop itching my uh, my eyes. But uh, neither here nor there. I just you know, help me out, folks. Just just help me out. Do your boy a favor, and I would be uh, be much obliged. Uh, yeah. Begging and pleading done. Uh, if you want to contact me, uh, contact the show. Shoot me a DM on Twitter at Caleb Verzak. Link will be down in the description. If you don't, uh, email me unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. Unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com also will be down in the description. And uh, yeah, with that, thank you so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. As always, I've got no clue what I am talking about, but one thing I learned this week and I got to erase that one so I don't repeat that one. We already know that Canada has more lakes than the rest of the world combined. Who who doesn't already know that? And uh, this is kind of a, uh, a well-duh fact, but uh, still kind of a fun one. Uh, the sun is approximately 13 billion times brighter than the next brightest star in our sky. That next brightest star being Sirius. So there you go. Little little fun fact for your, uh, your Thanksgiving get-togethers. Uh, with that, though... Uh, I will see y'all on Tuesday. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Fill yourself absolutely full to the brim with all the food that you can eat. Uh, Ready, break. See y'all.